Welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Morena everyone, I am Mickey. you are listening to Wikipedia, and it is the week between Christmas and New Year. I hope that you have managed to take a bit of a breather, enjoy the festive season and also get some well-earned recovery as we head into 2022. Today on the podcast I speak to Mimi Kotka who is an amazing runner who has really made a name for herself in trail running in 2016 when she won the CCC which is part of the UTMB, a race which is 101 kilometers long with over 6,000 meters of elevation and she won that by almost half an hour. She very quickly sort of came onto the running scene but had been involved since 2011 doing other races, really developing this love of running in the mountains. Mimi and I talk all about how she sort of progressed into where she is at now with her running but also how her upbringing and whilst she wasn't a runner in her younger years she has a deep love of the outdoors and wilderness and has had from a young age and so we speak about some of the earlier influences that led Mimi to uh, where she is at now. Mimi and I have a really in-depth discussion of her training and her racing and her experience with relative energy deficiency in sport. So Mimi is a nutritionist, however her area or specialty wasn't sports nutrition at the time that she developed relative energy deficiency in sport and we talk through how she worked with her endocrinologist and her team of specialists in addition to putting into practice some of her own nutrition knowledge to help get her out of that place. And Mimi just shares some of her experience, of course, recognizing that this was her experience and it may be helpful for you if you're in the similar space, but it's not necessarily the only path forward. And so we talk about the importance of having the help of a health professional for any athlete that might be experiencing REDS. In addition to Mimi's running, she's also a co-founder of Moon Valley, which is an organic sports nutrition brand founded with fellow trail running legends Emily Forsberg and Ida Nilsson. Mimi and I chat about her running, her upbringing, her lifestyle. We talk about Moon Valley and relative energy deficiency in sport. There is something here for anyone that loves to be inspired by people who just go at it and who are real problem solvers and I think you'll really love this. So Mimi can be found at her website mimikotka.se and I will pop her website and the website for Moon Valley in the show notes and also uh, Mimi's Instagram account. So team, if you want to support the podcast, It would be amazing if you were to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and also give us a five-star review. That would just really help lift our presence in the podcast world and so more people will be able to find Wikipedia, which would be amazing. 
Before we get on into the interview, I'd just like to remind anyone who is interested in the Monday's Matter program, the cart opens for this in the new year on the 1st of January and the best thing to do is to get on the waitlist so you get early access and early access discounts to the eight week program. And this is the protein sparing modified fast plan that incorporates diet breaks, time restricted eating, it has workout suggestions and also critically those protein sparing modified fast days which can accelerate fat loss but also preserve muscle mass as well. So over the last year I've recognized what a game changer this is in terms of helping people meet their body composition goals in a way that doesn't feel so restrictive. So that is Monday's Matter Summer Edition. The waitlist for this will be in the show notes. Sign up to get early information. So sit back and enjoy this conversation that I had with Mimi Kopka. Mimi, thank you so much for being here for your Thursday evening, my Friday morning. I'm so stoked to be able to sit down with you, particularly because, well, for a number of reasons. One, you're an amazing runner, and I love to talk to amazing runners about how they run, how they train, how they experience it, and also as a runner with that shared passion. Like, I always feel like there's this, there's just, we get together, we don't know each other, but we're already mates. Like, that's always how it feels. <laughs> yep. But two, as well, you're a nutritionist. And I know that with Moon Valley, with your own experience with sorting your nutrition for your, um, to keep you healthy and running strong, like there's a lot of things that we can sort of chat about. And we've got that sort of shared passion for food and health and, and things like that. So thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me, me, Mickey. As I told you, I was super happy when you asked me to join the podcast because I listen. I found found my way to your podcast, even though it's <laughs> like very far away. And it's um, yeah, super cool, cool to be sh- chatting with you because I kind of feel the same that we have this shared uh, ground with both uh, running and nutrition, and we can probably have like a. 10 hour podcast cost if we wanted to just like <laughs> chatting about stuff so great to be here I know right one of the first things I want to ask you about Mimi is you seem to have gotten into running at quite a late stage well late stage I mean we're not we're not like spring chickens but we're certainly not like over the hill but no. as I understand it you were an outdoor enthusiast loved the outdoors but not necessarily running is was that just your parents influence sort of getting you out and about or how yeah tell me sort of a little bit about your background there yeah so I I grew up uh, like super into outdoor stuff I was a scout when I was a kid and then I was uh, always doing this uh, like uh, downhill skiing and ski touring and hiking and Spending time in the mountains and in my teens, I was really into free diving as well. And so I just, and biking and just being outside all the time, it's always been uh, my biggest interest. Um, but it, I, I, I was never a competitive uh, athlete of any sort growing up. 
I just um, I did I I didn't do any sports, any competitive sports. It was all about the outdoors and like being in nature and having fun and uh, like more more of the enjoyment side of things. Um, so mm. I had absolutely no experience in in sports and then when i became a bit older i was living in stockholm which is well compared to where you live it's not a big city but for us swedes it's a big city and you know city life and i was working a ton and um, i just felt that that i lost a bit of my like outdoor passion even though stockholm is a great city to do stuff it's still like so i just felt that i wanted like a challenge um so I and mm. I was 29 so definitely no spring chicken <laughs> uh <laughs> and I I just decided to do something called the Swedish classic which is kind of a thing that uh sporty Swedes do it's that you uh you ski a 90 kilometer nordic nordic ski race um and it's basically like the biggest uh, nordic ski race in sweden and then the biggest um biking race is a 300 kilometer race around the lake and then you do a open water swim in a super uh it for 2 kilometers and then you do a 30k um like uh i wouldn't say trail run but it's more um terrain run uh, that's very mm-hmm. big in Sweden. Um, and I just, uh, and you do all of these uh, events in one year and it's called the Swedish classic and it's gives you bragging rights <laughs> at coffee breaks. And uh, I just decided to do that. And so I started to run to be able to manage this 30 K race. And I just, I was living very close to nice trails and I just started running on trails and uh, yeah, I never did any of the other stuff. I just got really, really into trail running straight away. It was almost like some, I have, I I think I had been looking for it because it was, Mm. I just loved the simplicity of running because I could have my adventure. I could have my outdoor time and nature and all the experience, but it's just running is so simple so i really found my my passion there mimi how many years did you spend away from your outdoor roots like how many years did it sort of take for you to go i'm missing something here well i never left it completely it's just that maybe when i was a kid and in my teens and early 20s it was uh, kind of the highest priority in life i would live in places where the mm. in the mountains or by the ocean and everything was just about you know doing the ski ski thing i worked at the mountain station and then after university it kind of it was still a big interest but you know life takes over and it was more perhaps city life and doing stuff on the weekends um and I, I and I kept running for a few years, actually, just having uh, like normal training and having these weekend uh, runs and doing small competitions. And it's like uh, it was actually a few few years later that I actually decided to like. Well, it's actually our family decided in it was in twenty fourteen. I mean, my husband decided that we kind of wanted to do a bit of a change in our life we wanted to own less stuff and have more time for stuff that for things that we loved and that's obviously the outdoors and mm. have more adventure in life so we decided to 
changed a lot and we sold the house we had and just scaled down everything in life and made room for more passion and for me that made room for it made room for more running and from there it's only been like more and more <laughs> adventure and stuff yeah. yeah i heard that story about you said that you and your husband had made the decision yeah. to sort of move to Chamonix and live the lifestyle you wanted what? were your parents or your friends were they sort of surprised that you guys made this decision or did they think this was something that you would sort of do because I feel like it's a really brave thing to do Mimi like I don't think I think a lot of us would probably want to take that step but feel um a little not not trapped but that feels like such a courageous thing to do to me yeah so first of all we spend a lot of time in Chamonix now but it's been a process and we still spend some time of the year in Sweden, so it's it's a bit of back and forth. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think the 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 decision to simplify and to get rid of stuff and to it it was uh, it is a decision that I think that once you make, you kind of reason with yourself that oh well, what's the worst thing that can happen? We just go back to business as usual uh, and just live our life with like mm. uh, but once you cut yourself loose I think it's no turning back really because you will just continue on your journey and for us it's been like that but we I mean we uh, we sold our house and moved into a very small apartment and we have also ha- had like different work situations than before and just made made a lot of changes to have more flexibility but i remember we had mm-hmm. we had a going away party when we were leaving for the first time for for a for a period and um, we had just sold our our villa and people were at the party and everyone was just i i told this story before but everyone was just oh my god you're so lucky you get to do this you get to travel because we had like a year of travel planned out and then we didn't know what would come after that but then everyone was like oh you're so lucky and what if we can do this and I I remember thinking at the party that every single person there could have done it (laughs) if they Mm. wanted to so yeah yeah it's just like you say I think it's you need to kind of be ready to let go of some things maybe other people's expectations your own expectations on what you want i for us it was just doing a really honest like list of the things we valued in life and realizing that well Mm. these three or four things are important and the rest isn't so maybe we need to let go of of the rest and go for these and i think that's uh, key (laughs) to like because you can you can you can have the life you want but you cannot have perhaps everything else as well yeah and I really and I totally loved how you how I heard you put it you can have everything but you can't have everything no you know so it's it is it's that you can really have what you value and what I said is that you can have everything you want but you cannot have everything but you just you need to decide what That's it right. so you need to decide what it is you want and then you need to let go of the rest mm. and i think that's like the, yeah. the biggest lesson i've learned in all of this and it 
panned out really well. So um, we are super happy with the choices we've made. <laughs> and Mimi, do you think that your running would have taken a different trajectory had you not made that decision and you'd just stayed in that sort of um, space in life that you guys had already created for yourselves? Like, do you ever think about that? Uh, yes, I think it would have been different. But on the on the other hand, I had already dipped my toe in in. Uh, I was already a super passionate trail runner, but I definitely was a weekend warrior, mm-hmm. and I was living in the very south part of Sweden, which is completely flat. And uh, for me, it was just this. Um, the begin in the beginning, we were still living in Sweden. It was just this mindset of. Uh, putting more time and uh, prioritizing trail running more and then I stumbled onto ultra running and I got the chance to to represent Sweden in the ultra trail championships and that was my like first ultra trail race and that was the point that changed my life completely because after that it's like oh this is this is adventure and running and all the lovely stuff you want in life all wrapped into one and this is my this is my path so from from and I did that race in 2015 so from there it's just I was I was uh, a lost cause after that I would say I was like this is my <laughs> this is what I'm doing uh, <laughs> I find it so interesting that you don't have a um, that you didn't sort of seek out the competition earlier in life, even though you you know you did so much in the outdoors, but you you didn't you weren't that competitive. And it seems so different now with your running. Like I, you've had an amazing career to date, where you've you know taken on the CCC. The I'm going to get a lot of these probably wrong. Um, the Sir is it the Surly. Let's, let's just T- call it tedious <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go tedious you, you came first in quarter trail to alpages i'm not sure that i've got that right yeah. i mean there is there's a string of podiums and firsts and of course you know if we go right up to most recently you came third in the utmb and you you seem to have such a drive to complete and and compete in those events, I'm surprised you didn't find it earlier. To be honest, but, that so, sort of competitive. But, so I I I think I have been competitive all my life. It's just that it's taken other forms than sports. I mean, I, I like maybe grades at university and stuff like that. So I definitely have been very. I I have that personality. It's just that I haven't been in sports and and the outdoors has never before i started doing running races it had never occurred to me that you could like compete uh, in in, well in in adventure so to speak Um, but on the other hand it's like i would Mm. i I was always the person that would compete with people (laughs) anyways like trying to be (laughs) first on the bike and everything so it's i'm definitely a competitive person embarrassingly competitive sometimes (laughs) so it's it just took other other expressions i guess earlier and I've always felt i've always i still do that i've always competed against myself 
And that's also mm. what I still do. And I think that's why ultra trail is, is a good sport for me because it is a sport where you need to be competing with yourself. So I think that that's a very yeah. good match because it's like I've always want to improve myself and I always want to do better and like find out more and stuff. And, and this, this kind of running is not so much about what other people do it's more like how you manage yourself and improve yourself so i think that's why it fits fits me well yeah and i think that's such a good way to approach it as well because there's so much in ultra running you just can't control yeah. you can't control the environment the conditions the weather you can't control how other people race so to have that sort of focus on how you sort of manage yourself is like you know that's the the I think the thing which can drive success, I suppose. Yeah, and I would say it's it's uh it's a prerequisite for 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 success in this sport that you need to be like doing your own thing because well, if you if you follow someone else's agenda, it's it's like you say it's such com complex sports, and as you know, like UTMB, we might talk about that that's a race where all the top tier run ultra runners in the world line up every year and it just never mm. goes as planned <laughs> so the, it that race <laughs> is always like ending up in there's always favorites but there's a bunch of them and then someone has a great day but a lot of people don't and i think the the only thing you can do is like manage yourself and hold on for their life and hope you have a good day really mm. so Mimi how many times have you done UTMB uh, so I've done it twice I finished it twice and uh, I, I actually started it in 2018 but I had to I had to stop at the, the very beginning because I was having real um, I, I was having real health health problems back in uh, uh, August of 2018 um, and I just uh, I was in very bad shape and I should never have been standing on that starting line I was just blind to how bad I, I had mononucleosis and Epstein-Barr and was super anemic and I had broken fingers and I was just really burnt out but I still so badly mm. wanted to do that race it has um it's a personal project of mine to do that loop around Mont Blanc. So I really wanted to do it that year, but I couldn't do it. So, but I uh, finished it in in twenty nineteen. It's amazing listening to you talking. You talking about sort of the state you were in, but that desire to, to toe the start line. Like I just feel like, as we were just talking about, like having that competitive sort of spirit within yourself it almost seems yeah you're right like a a prerequisite for being an elite runner is is in part sort of and this is not a good I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing it's just a thing like you almost have to put your physical sort of um, ailments if you like aside or they almost don't even matter because that passion and that drive almost is is uh, overtakes everything else yes uh, yes uh, you can be a bit smarter than I was, though. You should probably like not have <laughs> have the blinders pull, uh, have the blinders on that <laughs> in that way. But 
And yeah, but and you know, endurance athletes and ultra endurance athletes. I mean, it's a certain type of person that kind of likes to feel bad and enjoy, seek out uh, <laughs> discomfort and fatigue and uh, all kinds of uh, physiological stressors. So we kind of we are kind of drawn to that, and you have this tough. Uh, tough it out attitude and that's like the charm of the sport so it's very hard to know where the line is i i actually think the stuff we were speaking about before that me coming from a non-athletic uh, background perhaps was a part of it as well because i just didn't have or i don't even know if i have now but like a deeper understanding of sports in that way and uh, maybe i be maybe i had good good results a bit too quick and i uh, just my mm. my knowledge uh, and my ex my experience just wasn't there so i think it takes some time to learn mimi so you yeah, you arrived at the start line in that injured state. How long had you been sort of grappling with the viruses and the, and like your broken fingers? And I think you mentioned something about a knee yeah. at an, on another podcast. Like, like how long of sort of twenty eighteen had had that been going on? Well, so I um I had a really good early season in twenty eighteen, and I did three big races um in three months uh that i um, and i i did really well in all three of them three long ultra races and in the last race it was a, a race here in chamonix called the mont blanc marathon uh, the 90k distance and it's a race that has um, it's very in my heart i love it it's beautiful and i have i had like a very deep sense of wanting to to do something special with that race so i really pushed myself but i had some falls and i injured my knee halfway through and then in the last uh, downhill to the finish line i sprinted with a guy that i know and i f fell and broke two fingers and i think i was probably very very tired already going into that race but after that um, the body just, I was so focused on just continuing and I didn't rest enough and I had all these injuries and they just never healed. And I was, uh, I think that's when I, I became like trapped in this kind of bad spiral, so to speak, with, with health problems and a bit of a physical burnout, I would say. And it took a long time to get it sorted because I'm, I was way too stubborn and just kept on training and racing. I just, while my health was deteriorating, so bad, bad decisions. <laughs> Mimi, did you see others around you in a similar, um, having a similar experience, you know, like maybe not the, you know, broken bones or anything but people you could also see your competitors pushing through um when they may not have been best to like was that a yeah. normal thing for the people around you or so what i notice is that a lot of because i have a lot of like female role models in this sport that i look up to and that inspires me a lot and uh, most of them kind of have one or two good years and then they do these amazing results. And after that, 
there's just nothing and a lot of them disappears and you never see them perform at a high level again. So there's definitely this pattern in these sports, both both on the male and female side. And I just think it's a very young sport and it's very demanding on the body and it's just combined with this personality type. Like for me, example, after this failure on my first hundred miler, I just decided that instead of healing my injuries, I just like, oh, well, um, there is one worse hundred miler in the world (laughs) in the Reunion Island in six weeks. I'm going to go and do that just to prove to myself I can do it. And so I just, this, and we're all the same. I mean, so it's very hard. I think the balance uh, for longevity in this sport is very hard to strike, right? But the ones who do it, they have a long career. And that's when they, I mean, that's when you can really do amazing things. So, For sure. And Mimi, you're, um, uh, were you coached at the time or are you coached now or are you self sort of coach? What's that look like So I, I've start, I started with self being self-coached and just going on field and then during the years I've had some coaching in periods of time but it's it's been both good and bad it have it it hasn't done anything good for my development nor has it I mean it's it's Mm. it's I there is no um, connection between how well I've done and if I have a coach or not but I this I finally uh, have found a collaboration that works really, really well. Um, so now I do have a coach and uh, it's my business partner and friend as well, Ida Nilsson, who's, um, who's a great athlete and she has a lifetime of knowledge from the track and field and has this like very athletic approach to things while she's still a top tier, mm-hmm. top tier, uh, trail runner. So I think yeah, that's a really good fit. So, but we just, I just convinced, I, I, I just convinced her to coach me. So, <laughs> nagged her. <laughs> that that sounds great. Yeah. Because sometimes we we don't, you know, it is. It's that we don't quite recognize the our own limitations, I suppose. Which is exactly potentially why you were in the position you were in at that time in 2018. Yet, as I understand it, you sort of you continued to sort of push through until you finally took a break in August 2020 was that is it have I got that Uh, right August 2021 actually um so I just kept on training and racing but my my results in races were were just showing the state I was in and for a long period I was also not I was also not allowed to race these types of races because I was um just too uh, too unhealthy i i was severely anemic and i'm, I'm i mean hormones were sh- really bad and yeah i and my immune system was really not that yeah i, I guess it was the anemia and the immune system that put the red light for my uh, me competing so yeah but then finally it I'm stubborn, but it, finally in August 2021, I kind of got the message from my body that, okay, you you need to reboot the system or it's shut down. So 
Yeah, I would really love to talk to you about that experience because I feel like, you know, you've been really open about it on a couple of interviews and I feel like there's so much that, uh, you know, runners of all ability can probably learn from your experience. What were uh, sort of the steps that you took to get, to reboot yourself, basically? So, you know, obviously you were not physically in a, in a good state. Um, you mentioned that you weren't allowed to race or uh, because of the physical state you were in. Who made that decision for you? Who said, Mimi, nah, you're not in uh, this? So it's actually, it was actually do- uh, doctors uh, uh, in a health program. That's, so I, I, ma- I mainly raced um, races in uh, on, on the Ultra Trail World Tour and uh, they do check their athletes sometimes uh, to see that they're healthy enough to be in a starting line and so on. But uh, it's for me that I realized I had problems and then you just start to trying to find solutions. And it's just, I'm em- embarrassed to say that I'm a nutritionist since a long time back, but uh, before uh, my expertise uh, has been more in. Uh, Perhaps I'm a molecular trained molecular nutritionist, so I have been working with very like specific uh, food supplements and product development. And my my understanding of the specific need, nutritional needs of an athlete just wasn't there. And I just never heard mm-hmm. of the term reds, which we probably will will come to. But so I just tried to fix all these problems one by one, and it it just uh, it just nothing helped and then in uh, in in the summer of 2021 uh, i kind of uh, started to stumble across uh, this red concept of reds and uh, started to reading up mm. on the literature and started to like educate myself on that and i just like okay so this is exactly exactly my problems but how can I be in an energy deficiency? I'm a nutritionist and I eat like a horse and I have a super relaxed relationship with food and my weight is normal and blah, blah. And then I actually sat down and did the math and re- math and just like energy in, energy out, simple stuff. And just like, oh, okay. I probably, I'm in a severe, severe energy deficiency and have been for years. Um, so I just, it just, then the, the wheels start, wheels started turning and things started to click into place. And from there I was able to kind of actually reverse every single health problem I, I had in a very short time. So just, I just needed to find the root cause, yeah, so to speak. And so with your nutrition training, you could look, you could, I mean, anyone can do those sort of calculations in terms of the, you know, the, how many calories you burn in a day and how many calories you need to, for, for everything that you're doing. Um, And I think it's, it's that step of, okay, so now I have to eat more in order to reverse this. And I know there's, you know, obviously there's more to it than that. And I feel like because of your, what you said, your relaxed relation, it was never about restricting food for you. This was an unintentional thing that sort of accumulated over time. Yes, and definitely so. And it's it's just that I think the way I was eating was very good for a per- 
for a person perhaps training seven to ten hours a week, the way I started to run trail, doing shorter shorter uh, training sessions mm. and living in a flat part of Sweden and just being a weekend warrior, then it was just good. But as the miles and miles ran and training hours got bigger and as the environment got tougher and the races got longer and the training got longer, everything just stacked up and the caloric intake just, I mean, I was eating more, but it just didn't catch up. <laughs> so I think that's what happened. So, mm. so what I did actually, I, I will say with you and me say, it's fairly easy to do calculations about caloric expenditure and intake well it's not easy at all <laughs> but what what i uh, i think that i could do it myself with some uh, i i had a really good endocrinologist that i discussed with um and then i could do all the all the work getting back in, back to where i need to be on my own but it's because I'm very experienced in uh, food logging and uh, in I have this broader knowledge. I think it could be very difficult if you if you don't have that background. Uh, so what I did first of all was actually just yeah. for a few weeks, just because I'm not a fan of counting calories and doing macros and stuff, but just for a few weeks recalibrating the system on okay, setting limit. You need to eat this and this amount of calories how does this actually look on a plate so you get like a sense of oh okay it needs to be these kinds of portions and these kinds of piles of food <laughs> really so yeah that that's what i did first of all did it change the amount of food or just the proportion of those things on on your plate like if you're uh at each meal so did it was it just that you had you reduced down the volume of your vegetables to make more room for the other things or how did that yeah how did that look so first of all uh, now we're really getting into details and i re so i really want to say that this is uh an approach every single athlete need to if you have this kind of problem, you need to address it. But the details of how you do it is, of course, very individual. Uh, but for me, mm. it was mainly about adding a lot of snacks um, and having yep. a, bi a bigger window throughout the day. So let's say I didn't change the portions so much. Like uh, they, and because the the three main meals of the day was really were really good, but I just added in three snacks and made sure I had um, didn't have a hu huge time in a twenty four hour window where I was not eating. <laughs> that really mm. made a difference for me. Yeah. Like. As soon as I got up, get something, I mean, I would go up, brush my teeth and then go out to the kitchen, make coffee and have something to eat and have like an evening snack yeah. and just make sure the, that I get an, that I got enough energy throughout the day. That really did the trick. And just, just implementing all this being really like disciplined with all these uh, uh, sports nutrition specific things like uh, recovery recovery meals and making sure you get enough proteins 
throughout the day and complex carbs in with meals and stuff just this yeah the the stuff that we tell others to do <laughs> just be yeah, being yeah. very like disciplined about that for myself as well and it worked worked out yeah. well how long did it take for you to start noticing the benefits Mimi? um a few months uh and i really I I did cut my training volume as well, but I had tried that before because some you, there's mm. I was suspecting I might be overtraining, but since I was kind of figuring this out for such a long time, I had tried that stuff too, uh, cutting down training, and nothing just seemed to work. It was just these nutritional strategies that really did the trick for me, and quick. So it was just a few months, and yeah. then my hormone levels were back up, and the system were rebooting again, and I just started to feel so much better, and uh, the blood values improved, and uh, they have stayed well since then. So it's just, I think the nutrition piece for me in my case, which is not um, not to say it's like yeah. this for everyone, was really the the key here. I think that what you know your experience really highlights some of the challenges that people in your position but also just people sort of across the board who have you know have a love of endurance sport love getting out there but then they've also got sort of real life on top of this passion yes. and there can I see it a lot this unintentional under fueling therefore under recovering and it's not that it's happening on purpose but it's just it's the last thing that people address or it's something else that is you know that's not planned for I suppose you know we follow a training program and um you you know you sort of but you oftentimes don't think about putting into place being really specific with your nutrition requirements on top of that no, I think you're right. And I think it, it's, it was the same for me. I mean, I had a lot on my plate with all the training and stuff and work. And it's just, uh, uh, I felt so stupid when I, once I sat down and really did analysis, did an analysis of, of everything. And I'm like, well, why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> so, so I think it could be very, uh, and it's also about this um, understanding of your needs as an endurance athlete that you really need to mm. understand that you are not uh, your requirements are not the same as a per as a sed sedentary person or someone who works out like 45 minutes minutes three times a week it's just completely different and you need to have really need to have a nutrition approach that supports your output um, and I think it's mm. very easy to fall short, especially when you do big hours. It's just, you, you need yeah. to eat so much food, Mickey. <laughs> yeah. And, I, like, yeah. I, how many hours a week training do you, would you do, Mimi? Well, it, it depends in periods. And I'm not a huge um, mileage person when it comes in, in this world. But I mean, you're, if, if you do 15 hours of training, 20 hours of training, maybe even more some, uh, some weeks. And, you know, it's the same for high level triathletes and it's just, it's a massive amount of, uh, of energy that you expend. And as you said, if you have a busy life, 
it really takes some planning to get get that nutrition right to support all that training um and also mm. just an active lifestyle on top of that with like dogs and hiking and it depends on what job you have as well maybe you have an active job then i mean then it gets really tricky to uh, to get get in enough fuel so which is the opposite mm. to almost uh, all all other humans in in this part of the world so it's um it's a very different situation and i think that's you know in part maybe some of the problem is that of course that the message on sort of social media if you're on social media or um things like that and you're interested in nutrition a lot of the conversations are around things like fasting and um you know eating less and one meal a day and things like that because they're speaking to this generic sort of 90% of the population probably could do well with a little bit of managing their intake in that way so it's I, I know with a lot of the people that I speak to athletes I speak to there's just some confusion of you know what's the best approach from a health and an athletic sort of performance whereas particularly someone in in the situations that we're discussing it's definitely aiming to get in more calories than restricting and be and having a you know fueling the work required i guess yeah so definitely that's a good good uh, thing that's a great thing to remember to fuel for the work required and it's like you said it's all this great research about the ben- health benefits of uh, intermittent fasting and I'm, i would be the first one to to say that that's something for someone who need to improve their health should try for a high level endurance female athlete i perhaps would be a bit more cautious for of recommending that because it can really wreck wreck your hormones and, and cause a lot of damage so it's 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 the context Ad, nutritional advice yeah. are out, is out there you just need to find the ones that is the right context for you who you are so that's and it's sure. it's, it's very confusing for I get that <laughs> so because there's so much information out there. There, there really is. And yeah. on the sort of sports nutrition front, can you chat to me about how you now approach your training sessions with regards to the fueling that you, you you know how often you might fuel and and the types of foods that you use. Um, and of course, this is absolutely specific to you, but I do know that a lot of people are really interested to know how the elite do it. Yeah. Yeah. So for, first of all, the first thing I did was I'm super happy that I, I'm uh, right now I'm uh, taking the International Olympic Committee's diploma in sports nutrition because I really feel like I have when all this happened i just felt like oh i have i really have experience here and i have the academic background to do this and i could really like merge this but i also need the knowledge so i'm i'm in the process of learning as much as i can and keeping up with this develop this developing science and stuff Um, but for me so some practical tips or tips some practical Things are like, I do not do any fasted workouts in the morning, uh, which I know is a very popular thing. But for me, it just 
it's um, not worth it uh, in terms of the the cost on the um, on the hormonal system i would say and i think that might be the case for a lot of females so you need to to think about mm. that because it's um as a as a high volume athlete you're probably getting a lot of the benefits of of um low glycogen store storage training anyway so it might just be an added stress in the end so that's one thing breakfast um i also feel um i feel a bit more during long runs actually uh i i mm. uh, just maybe not race uh, amounts but i try to be more bring more snacks on long runs that's the easy way to say mm. and then also as i as yeah. i mentioned being super disciplined with recovery and eating after training and making sure you get like you replenish after training sessions and um, i've also actually increased my protein intake a bit um so mm-hmm. i've just increased it by adding more snacks that contains protein so that the protein is uh, spread out throughout the day that's uh, i that's been mm-hmm. very beneficial as well so those are my top three things i think that I'm, and also just spreading out the time in the 24 hour window that i eat the opposite to in, to fasting i would say <laughs> yeah it's interesting actually like i talk to lots of athletes about that um uh eating window because many of them are quite concerned that they're that it expands sort of beyond 12 hours and i'm like well you know, the fasting and exercise bring with it many of, you know, very similar benefits. So, and you're already doing the exercise and to layer that fasting on top of the exercise as a stress is going to probably be detrimental to you in the long term rather than that you're going to get this, you know, increased sort of benefit from having that additional stress on. So I appreciate what you're saying there. Yeah, and it, and I mean... Just as a as a note on that, uh, it, it is very individual. This is what works for me. I maybe someone else needs mm-hmm. to do it in another way. Uh, I just think that you need to be very uh, analytical. If you try stuff and in, if you try um, nutrition interventions, just as you would try something new in your training, you should be honest. You should be honest about how it's working out for you are you improving are your results improving or are you being grumpy and your health is deteriorating and because i see that's something i see a lot too people go on these diets and regimes and they don't really improve and they don't feel good it's not like helping them and they still continue to do it um, but maybe you can you can always try stuff, but you need to be honest about the um, how it's working for you. <laughs> so that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mimi, you mentioned that you had you know severe anemia. Was it the? I, mean, I imagine that you would have supplemented to help um, sort of improve that. But have you like? Are there any supplements that you continue to take now? Are there? Um, or did that actually resolve once your energy availability actually increased? Because obviously, yeah. um, well, obvious to me and you, um, energy availability 
plays a big role in that um, anemia sort of story. So, I mean, I had a, I had a ton of uh, typical reds um, uh, symptoms like anemia, lowered immune response, and some viruses that's what that was activated and amenorrhea and I'm I'm just speaking about all of this and it's a bit it, it's just because I know there's so many people out there with these problems so I'm kind of just like talking about them because maybe someone will be like oh oh this 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 oh but this mm. is me mm. uh, so that's why I'm I'm uh, like just babbling on about all the problems <laughs> but uh, Really, I, 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 I think it's like if red is a bucket, is a bucket with twenty holes in it or ten holes, and all these holes are one symptom. Really, fixing the energy deficiency, like fix uh, it, stops uh, all the water from from coming out. While uh, before I was trying mm. to like fix one thing, perhaps with uh, supplementing with iron or or trying to uh, test the diet because I was having GI issues or whatever. And it's just like trying to fix, uh, like block one of these uh, holes, which only makes more water pour out from the other ones. But so it's kind of sorted itself out really when when I addressed um, the energy bit. Uh, and yeah. I think it, we we don't need to go into details, but there's definitely a connection between like overtraining and and things and anemia and all these things are just connected to this body. The body goes into uh, hibernation mode and it just tries to save mm. energy, so it just turns down down the thermostat on all the systems in the body and you just cut yourself short in in all all types of ways really so that's what what's happening mm. so Mimi when you started eating more were you excited to appreciate that you could just get stronger and and be a better athlete for it or were you worried that your body composition would change for the worse like did you have any of those sort of um because I know that many people sort of listening to this I mean one of the the things that they fear is that they're going to gain body fat and then that is going to impact negatively on their performance like did so how were those things for you like your sort of thought patterns and processes yeah, I know. I know that this is a big issue for people, but I'm, I'm very mm. fortunate in that sense that I maybe because I'm not from, uh, maybe because I'm from the adventure side, <laughs> uh, I'm not super bothered yeah. about that, and I'm also a very like mus muscular muscular. I have a lot of muscle on my body for being a runner, so I just. I've always looked the same kind of, and it's just, it's never changed that much. And uh, I also have a very relaxed relationship with food. And this is something that we really need to stress that um, it's, if you have some sort of disordered eating as contributing to your underfueling, then that is, of course, the stuff you need to address first of all. Be because that mm, will just mm -hmm. uh, that will just um, make it impossible to 
I mean, if if you have issues around eating uh, certain types of food or you are very like restrictive with food, I think uh, it will be very hard to address address these types of problems. So you need to make become friends with that first of all and that that requires a, an, another skill set i would say that that's more working with with the mental parts but so i don't have those problems and i and i don't have this fear of or being of being heavy really either because i am a heavy runner <laughs> so <laughs> from the get go <laughs> and so I, i'm not the best one to uh, to discuss around that but i do know there's a lot of um, disordered eating and uh, in in the world of uh, endurance running and it's hard for me to to have an educated opinion about it because i don't care too much <laughs> but do you know what i think that you saying that is I think it's so beneficial for people to hear that just that, you know, you are a strong runner and you just viewed it as a, you know, this is what I need to heal myself. And, and those thoughts didn't even enter your mind. Cause I think in part, like just because you're such an inspirational runner and you are a role model to others out there, then I think it's really valuable for people to hear how you approach it because even if that might not be how they've been thinking about it you know so much of how you feel and and what you think can really dictate how you then act and yeah. you know i think that whole shifting that mindset is not just because you've had this um sort of unhealthy relationship with food if you like in the past doesn't mean it always has to be that way and just even hearing you have your own you know how it was for you I think that could be so beneficial for people to sort of understand and hear yeah we're all we all have our I mean we and we we all have our own stories and and stuff but it's um it's different for everyone but I do think that mm -hmm. uh uh it, I mean, for for these kinds of uh, yeah, once again, endurance athletes. It's I think in the in our world, there's a lot of unintentional underfueling, but perhaps in sports where it's not such a high energy demand, uh, there is definitely a big proportion of of intentional restricting. I would say, especially in some sports, and of course, that's I would say that's. That that's a much bigger problem, and it's it, especially when it's uh, cultivated as a culture culture within a sport. Then it's it's really sad, mm. um, and a bit because yeah. yeah, you and me know that it's just uh, for longe longevity in a sport, you need to be healthy, <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, especially when you grow up. And your body is developing. That's when you need to have good health uh, if you're gonna continue to do well in the, and have a long, long and nice career in your sport. So, I think that the um, it's really fortunate to find something you really love doing. This is regardless of what it is for people, because if you love doing it, then you want to ensure that you've got all strategies in place to allow you to continue on in the sport. I totally agree with you um, with that and, and 
particularly trail running, being out in nature, doing it with friends, ticking off events. Like there are so many amazing things that sort of inspire us to get out and do it that ensuring that you can, I think, is a really, um, I think we're lucky in that respect because there's, you know, because there's such motivation to do things in a way that allows for that to happen. And and part of that is, of course, fueling properly. Yeah. And I mean, it's supposed to be fun, (laughs) right? And life is supposed to be nice as well. And it's, um, it's part of that for sure. So maybe, especially if you're a recreational athlete, you should really, um, I mean, it means a lot. I mean, the racing and the, and the training, it means a lot to, to people I know, but you should also be, be feeling good. So you need to remember that as well. And yeah, yeah, life is supposed to be good. (laughs) Mimi, what, so outside of running, do you do strength training as well? Uh yes, I do strength training um in periods of the I have a body type that's really t- keen on taking on strength uh, so um, I actually don't do too much of it because I I build some <laughs> I has have such an easy time to build muscles so I I need to like restrict my yeah. strength training. I do love it though. It's super cool and I do some yeah. uh I'm a intermittent yoga practitioners practitioner as well and of course i do a lot of cross training just by skiing and nordic skiing and biking and so i do do mix up my training a lot yeah nice and um what about mimi when you are racing what do you like to fuel racing what works well for you um so it's actually a work in progress <laughs> as it is for most of us. Um, so ultra running is very specific, very, it requires a lot of testing and trial and error uh, to see what you like and to see what you can tolerate. And as the distances are different, I find that I need to adjust my nutrition plan so i don't have a set recipe at all but uh, obviously in training i do have a set recipe and i really like to have more perhaps solid food and more food like bars when i train and stuff i'm not i'm not super super keen on having gels in training and stuff and that's more perhaps for race situations and um, yeah and just real food uh, sometimes too or maybe even stop and have like a more like fuel the way the road bikers fuel stop at the bakery and have a coffee and a croissant is nice too you can do that when you run as well so yeah. <laughs> stuff like that yeah. Um, yeah but i'm a f- i like i mostly eat bars in training actually mm-hmm. and are they moon valley bars um yes of course most of them are and i but i eat uh, other stuff too i i like um nuts butter and uh, i like to as i said i like to bring perhaps something real and maybe even candy sometimes but it's of course it's a lot of moon valley bars because it's it's uh, <laughs> a company i, I i'm uh, i'm a founder of so yeah there's a lot of moon valley bars <laughs> Um, so. And so, can you just have a? And I, I, I'm, I want to be mindful of your time. I mean, I know that we are 
um, probably over. Um, right, we, we need to um, close this up in a minute, but can you just outline for us like Moon Valley and, and I mean, I know you're co-founder of it. Um, what's that process been like for you? Has that been something like that you'd always wanted to do? Was it just an idea that sort of came to you and then it sort of progressed from there? Well, so, so Moon Valley is an organic um, organic sports nutrition brand that I I started together with two other uh, uh, trail athletes, Emily Fors- Forsberg and Ida Nilsson. Um, uh, and they're also Swedish. The Ida and Emily lives in Norway now. Uh, but we just had this idea that we wanted to make the energy bars and sports nutrition that we wanted to have ourselves that's basically instead of just more more like something you would make at home in your own kitchen perhaps than than most bars out there and we just felt that there was we could do something really nice with like plant-based ingredients and using Nordic ingredients like oats and uh, we just had this idea and then it turned into a business, into a company that that's been around for a few years now, and it's just super exciting for me. I really wanted to do it because I felt I worked as a, as a consultant for uh, companies in the food supplement industry, but I I'm a food first person, and I just felt like this is something I re- would really like like to do with the sustainability of. Nordic ingredients and the organic stuff and it's just yeah it's been a very good uh, like a, an amazing project it's it's so much more difficult than you think <laughs> but that's also why it's so lovely and it, you shouldn't know how difficult it is when you say yeah let's do it then you just do it so yeah no so we're um Moon Valley is humming along, so it's it's going well. Yeah. Awesome. And where are they available, um, Mimi? Like, is it just in Europe? Is it in the States as well? So at the moment we are, uh, when it comes to stores, we are mail- mainly in uh, stores in Scandinavia and in France. Uh, and then mm-hmm. for our online sales, it's Europe. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the possibilities of shipping to to australia and us and other places because it's uh it's a bit of a difficult difficult with the shipping i guess it depends on how much you order and stuff so at the moment it's yeah, mainly yeah. europe yeah but we we, we are working yeah. on it <laughs> for sure yeah yeah I love it. I love that you've sort of you've really brought your passions to life, haven't you? You know, you're yeah. you know, professional trail runner, you're you're in the food industry, you're creating these amazing like products that you wanted to sort of have when you were out running or just as snacks or whatnot. Like you've really worked hard to create the as it seems from the outside, you know, the the things that you know, the life that you want. And I just absolutely love that, Mimi. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I'm. It's a lot of stuff on to do, but I mean, it's just so much fun. <laughs> and I mean, 
uh, we yeah, have yeah. been we have been talking about perhaps the darker side of of running a lot today but i mean i it is like just my biggest passion and i love it and uh, the, my other passion is uh, like food and nutrition so i yeah you're right i feel so fortunate to be able to do those two things and uh, i just uh, i mean it's passion driven for sure but that doesn't mean it comes with no obstacles like we talked about today so completely and whilst yes we did you know we talked about your experience i feel like the, the sort of the end result of that problem solving to get back to where you sort of started and what you love. Like I feel like I'm hoping that people will take that from it rather than the negative aspects really of, of what we talked about. Mimi, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so I'm on uh, social media at Mimi Kotka, uh, easy to find, and then also Moon. Uh, at moonvalley.me that's the two places nice and i cut you off so please tell me what were you going to say because we can easily like pop that back in before yeah. we put your uh, yeah. contact details no i was just gonna say that um that i really i really feel like when i became when i went public with my problems i had so much response from people writing to me and telling me that this is my story too both uh, men and women uh, in equal pro proportions and I just felt like oh mm. so this is so common and so few people talk about it so that's why I put so much time into speaking about it because I really feel like there is disproportionately little said about these problems because I know they are so incredibly common. So that's why I want to yeah. to uh, to address it a bit more, like a bit a bit more <laughs> than it is addressed today. Because yeah, I think if yeah. we talk more about it, it it gives people the tools they need to to address it, and it also hopefully changes the culture where there is cultural problems in, in sports around this and stuff. So that's why I like to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and you're so generous with sort of sharing your story because it's so, you know, a lot of people might not do the same thing, Mimi. So, um, you know, I feel really, I love that you took the time to chat to me today. Um, oh, thank you, Mickey. And just my last question is, what's next for you? What's your next race? Um, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet what my next race will be, but, uh, I'm sort of looking onto the calendar at the moment, but definitely, um, next year. No, I don't know, actually, <laughs> I, I, because it's this time of year when you make plans and they're not set yet. So I couldn't yes. answer, but for sure I will be doing ultra racing next uh, ultra trail racing <laughs> next year um you can count on that but it's not completely set yet so i don't know <laughs> well mimi i am very excited to see how that calendar looks for you as you make those decisions and see you out there racing because it's just always such a it's so inspirational to see people that you look up to sort of get out and do their thing like 
when I, you know, following people like you keeps me motivated um, to do the, you know, small amount of stuff that I do. Uh, so thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Mickey. It's been lovely talking to you and keep up the good podcasting. <laughs> team hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Mimi I certainly did she is a wealth of knowledge she's so inspirational her mindset is amazing and we just really wish her well for 2022 and next week on the podcast I have the pleasure of chatting to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon who is someone I just absolutely love following on social media and I really look up to her in terms of her knowledge in and around health and nutrition and her real no-nonsense way that she talks about it as well so that is next week until that time you can find me over on Facebook at Hewilladen Nutrition over on Instagram and Twitter at Mickey Willardin, and also over on my website, mickeywillardin.com, where you can book a consultation with me, sign up to one of my meal plans, or access my recipe access portal, which is another great way to support the podcast. For just $12 a month, you get access to all of the recipes on there that, which are regularly updated, a weekly email from me, and the ability to pick my brain on anything nutrition related, in addition to weekly forums and member-only Facebook Lives. All right, team, look forward to catching up next week. Have a fabulous new year. See you later.